0: This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. The key to sustainable leadership lies in the ability to thrive in uncertainty, ambiguity, and change. Grand Heron International brings you the Coaching Assistance Program, giving your employees on-demand coaching to manage through a challenging situation and arrive at a solution. Visit International.ca slash podcast to learn more.
1: Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, a podcast dedicated to promoting leadership development and sharing leadership insights. Here's your host, the Leadership Accelerator, Eddie Turner.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Keep Leading podcast, the podcast dedicated to leadership development and insights. I'm your host, Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator. I work with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact. In the world of leadership development, there are many options to help leaders develop. Today, I want to talk about leaders supporting leaders using an approach pioneered by Dr. Dorothy Semenovich, Gestalt Coaching and Awareness IQ. Dr. Dorothy Semenovich is an author, a speaker, and an international leadership team and organizational coach. She is also an International Coach Federation mentor coach. She is the founder and director of training for the Gestalt Coaching Program and a co-owner of the Gestalt Center for Coaching. Dr. Semenovich is the author of the book we'll be talking about today, A Gestalt Coaching Primer, The Path Toward Awareness IQ. She's also co-author of the Awareness 2020 Leadership Awareness Instrument. I am so excited to have with me today, all the way from Canada, Dr. Dorothy Ciminovich. Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast.
2: Thank you so much, Eddie.
0: Please tell my listeners a little bit about your background, Dr. Ciminovich.
2: Oh, thank you again. And please call me Dorothy. And to everybody, hello. So I am from originally Montreal, Quebec, which is eastern part of Canada and is considered the French part of Canada. And somewhere early in my adulthood, I got married and moved to Cleveland, Ohio, did my graduate training there and started my professional career. And it really is in Cleveland, at the Gestalt Institute of Cleveland, that I had the wherewithal, this moment of true inspiration to blend Gestalt thinking, which was mostly used in the world of therapy or consulting, to marry it to coaching as a vehicle to serve leaders and those people that really wanted to add better quality to their life. So for the past 20 years, I would say that I've been really going around the world a lot in Istanbul, Turkey, and teaching gestalt coaching to those who want to learn how to be an executive coach and also an applied coach, but mostly those who want to learn how to be executive coaches to leaders who carry so much importance in our world, and also mystery about how to serve them. It's a little bit about me. I live uh, part-time in Toronto, sometime in Cleveland, and a little bit in Assemble. All
0: right. Well, you get around.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's quite lucky, I think.
0: Well, I feel quite fortunate to have met you. I met you just a short time ago because you and Dr. Marsha Reynolds ran a Coach Mastery Workshop there in Canada, where you live, and it was one of the most transformational events of my life, and I don't say that lightly.
2: Thank you. It honors me to hear you say that, and it was a wonderful workshop. It was our, it was at our inaugural version of those people really wanting to take their coaching to a higher level of mastery. We were thrilled that you came, and at the group that arrived, we say that those that came were the right people. Thank you.
0: It really was. And we are all still connected and still meeting and messaging each other and helping each other continue to grow that level of mastery. And uh, it was a fantastic workshop. And so got a chance to meet you. And uh, you are truly not only a global thought leader in coaching, and one of the premier experts, especially in gestalt, but you're just a down to earth warm Genuine person. And so you really melted our hearts and you really gave us, uh, outside of your expertise, deeper reasons to uh, feel connected to you and model ourselves as uh, executive coaches and leaders uh, after your leadership. Now, something else I neglected to say that is pretty important about what you do is you're not just a regular executive coach. Can you explain to my listeners the level of coaching credential you hold?
2: Yes, I'm glad to be able to say that I'm a master certified coach through the ICF, which I think it's designed to stand for the the best that we can do with the level of certification.
0: And so for those who may not know, the ICF is the International Coach Federation, the largest and the most recognized credentialing organization in the world. And so to hold the MCC is not like... that's not a light credential. It is the top credential. And uh, not only do you hold an MCC, which less than 1% of coaches in the globe have, how long have you held that MCC?
2: Well, you're asking the big questions. 2004. Actually, I got it and applied in 2004. I think I got it in 2005. I've renewed, you have to every three years, you have to renew your credential. And to do that, you need to take 40 hours of coach training. And again, I think that's a commitment to all ongoing learning they say the expert sees but the novice always sees with fresh eyes and I think no matter what level of mastery we have we have to keep asking ourselves am I still learning so yeah I've renewed four times since getting the uh, credential and I'm I'm I have a PhD and I think I'm just as proud if not prouder of the MCC isn't that interesting
0: it is very interesting and it says a lot about the rigor and the prestige that credential holds for you to say that so yes not only are you one of the top coaches in the world but you've held that credential almost as long as it has existed. And so uh, that's not something to take lightly. That's a pretty powerful thing to be able to say. And all the more so why that workshop you and Marsha Reynolds held was so important and so pivotal for those of us who were privileged to attend because we're able to learn from two of the best in the world. And so, but there's something about you that stretches outside of just general coaching and your credential as a coach. You took things to another level and you have pioneered something where you've married two worlds, coaching, and as you mentioned in your introduction, the practice of gestalt. So can you tell us what is gestalt coaching?
2: Well, it's exactly, in some ways, you gave the answers. It's two worlds that's come together. The first world is really this new world that's now some 20 22 years old basically we think coaching what is coaching it is a collaborative encounter between the client and the coach in service of the client's learning agenda very democratic learning experience which is very needed in today's very demanding world but gestalt thinking has been around for actually some 80 years even a little longer with the early studies in perceptual psychology and Gestalt thinking has been mostly used in the world of therapy or consulting, and I had the kind of moment of I would call it entrepreneurial illumination where I truly envisioned you know Gestalt married to coaching because Gestalt thinking allows us in the coaching experience to understand the person, and a whole system approach from an analytical approach, from an emotional approach, from a heart-centered approach, and also from a somatic approach. So it's a way of being able, literally as a coach, if you have gestalt training, to see the client in multiple dimensions. You see them from from what you're noticing, but you also use yourself as an instrument to kind of get a sense of, what am I noticing about the client that's standing out Based on uh, perceptual cues, somatic cues, emotional cues, and behavioral cues. And all of that has actual conceptual uh, theory and tools from the Gestalt approach that assists us in reading the client. So that's pretty powerful. And when I say reading the client, you know, Eddie, I don't play cards, but <laughs> those people who play cards, <laughs> really about poker, it's kind of an analogy. People that play, poker are able to read other people whether they're holding good cards or holding bad cards This kind of something called a tell <laughs> yes. Yes. i love those stories about that but that's a very kind of interesting way of understanding the gestalt approach we get trained and begin to understand ways of reading our clients based on the tell which could be perceptual which could be emotional cues, you know, the face, the eyes, the mouth, the movements gives us a sign what's happening that we can read the kind of, are they interested? We can read that. Are they not interested? We can read that. Did something just happen? No matter what they're saying that we need to pay attention to because something shifted for them. Again, it's something very small, but we can be actually reading that based on these you know kind of cues that we get if we're really trained from gestalt system thinking
0: thank you now there's a couple of phrases you use i'd like to break down just a little bit for our audience so can you tell me where the word gestalt comes from
2: yeah i know it's the question everyone always asks eddie because it's a german word gestalt it's a german word that means the whole And basically there's a phrase, and it's pretty mainstream, you know, people always use this phrase, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. We you think of a face, you see the face, even if maybe you're missing some feature of the face, you'll be able to recognize someone's face based on their eyes, the whole from a feature. Or you just see the outline of a person's face, the whole, you may not even see it in the mouth, you go, okay, that's Eddie's head. (laughs) <laughs> because, yeah, because we're, we actually think in holes. So isn't it interesting, you know, name that tune. You, you hear a little bar from music and you're able to name that tune. Some people can name it in a very short bar. Some people need a whole chord.
0: Mm-hmm. Because we
2: actually fill in what we think is missing to get the whole. And gestalt is that concept that really describes that. So if you think of this phrase, you know, give me a picture of what you're talking about that's a gestalt, you know? So when we say, what's your gestalt? We're saying, what's your picture of this situation? What's your gestalt of this issue? What's your picture of this issue? And that's actually, you know, you think about it, picture is more than a thousand words. The idea of what's your gestalt means there's so many parts. It captures the so many parts of the whole. And the reason people keep saying, well, what does it mean? is because the word gestalt stays German. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so people keep saying well what is it
0: <laughs> yes yeah. yes and so yes yeah, so you I wanted to make sure we just gave a little bit more clarification around yeah. that and I love your illustrations on how you brought that to life and then another uh, phrase you were using and for those who may not be in the coaching world they may not readily recognize it and that it was somatic
2: yes well you know The idea of being able to read a person's kind of relevance of what's happening in the moment, or even their character, based on the way they're standing and moving. We know that the way a person stands already conveys a lot about their life story. Do they stand a little bit forward and slouched over? Do they stand backwards and kind of apprehensively waiting? It's an interesting right there we can already tell a story. They say that biology, uh, the way that you're feeling about something becomes biography. So somatics gives us kind of the eyes of being able to recognize what's going on with a person just by how they are embodied, how they're standing, how they're sitting, how they're eating, how they're looking. It's the embodiment that we start reading. Or I would say this, the lack of embodiment. Someone Mm -hmm. says to you, I really care about something. And you hear the voice and you go, okay. But then they say, I really care about something. And you think, where are they? Because you don't hear that in the voice. They're not embodied in their voice. The somatics tells us kind of at a visceral level what's happening.
0: Yes. And so as coaches, we're -hmm. trained in that. And it's something that benefits our client. How can that benefit leaders if they're not a coach? How can they benefit from this discussion that we're having?
2: Wonderful. I think that there's in the last, probably really it's been about since the 90s when Daniel Goldman wrote his Emotional Intelligence. And, you know, many people would always know emotions are important, but in organizations and leaders, emotions were considered to be troublesome in the way. Mm -hmm. And in the last 25 years, there's been a a paradigm shift of really recognizing that those soft skills, those soft cues, the emotional intelligence, which is the intelligent use of your emotions, being able to become more self-aware of that is so critical in being able to both manage yourself, be self-aware, and also uh, understand and work with people. So that's where if I can read my emotional cues, then I understand what's going on with me. And not only that, I will then be more able, if I can read myself, I will be more able in reading other people. And if I can read other people, it's kind of like the language. I can then talk with them about where they are more thoughtfully. And this is the awareness intelligence piece. If I'm aware of myself, And I can read you, I then can use my awareness to maybe deliver my message with more understanding. Maybe I want to ask you to do something, but I am aware that something about you either looks tired or distracted. Instead of just giving the order or the request, I may even say, you know, I'm going to ask you for something. I'm not sure if this is the best time, but I'd like to ask you, given everything that's going on, would that be okay? I might deliver my message as a leader with more thoughtfulness and more understanding of what's happening in the moment that nothing else could give me except my emotional capacity to read the situation. And you know, Eddie, for so many business leaders, That really is the underdeveloped side. What do we notice in terms of business leaders? We notice that most business leaders arrive at being a leader because they have analytical skills. They have strategy skills. They have deliverable skills, execution skills. And where do they need to develop themselves? The soft side of being able to read people. And here's the other thing, read themselves. (laughs)
0: Yes, (laughs) yes.
2: And they have not really gone to school for that. And as a person becomes higher in their leadership status, what we know is that syndrome of more and more people telling them less and less. Yes. He has lonely at the top is an old syndrome that we know about, but we see it enacted all the times where people would say, and I've clients who will tell me, well, nobody tells me, well, they're afraid to tell you. And they're also, you know, are you aware of your signals Are you aware of your emotions? And this is where I think that we as coaches, particularly how do we co-create a very safe learning environment for our leaders because leaders have so much pressure put on them to be strong and to take risks but not fail. Well, that's a very impossible situation. Yes. where, (laughs) Where is a safe environment for them to have kind of a dress rehearsal of how can I look at that in a safe way so that I don't feel so naked publicly.
0: Very interesting. So, wow. Thank you for sharing that and getting us off to a great start here, Dorothy. Uh, Enjoy this discussion with Dr. Dorothy Semenovich, and she's talking to us about gestalt coaching and how we use this to help leaders support leaders. We're going to pause for a word from our sponsors at this time, and we'll be back right after this.
1: This podcast is sponsored by Eddie Turner, LLC. Organizations who need to accelerate the development of their leaders call Eddie Turner the Leadership Accelerator. Eddie works with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact. Call Eddie Turner to help your leaders one-on-one as their coach or to inspire them as a group through the power of facilitation or a keynote address. Visit eddieturnerllc.com to learn more. This is Lou Diamond from Thrive Loud with Lou Diamond, and you are listening to
0: the Keep Leading Podcast with Eddie Turner. We're back. We're talking to Dr. Dorothy Sabinovich, and she is telling us about gestalt coaching and how leaders can more effectively lead other leaders. And so before the break, Dorothy, you were explaining the details about what Gestalt Coaching is, where it comes from, and why it matters for leaders, and how it really is a leadership competency that you're building in the folks that you run through your organization. And so we talked about the definition that your book was based on, but there's something else that you share in your book that I'd like to talk about. And you have come up with this phrase about awareness IQ What is Awareness IQ?
2: Well, thank you. I think, again, I'd like to identify what I think is happening as a paradigm shift in the world, where it's always been important to get knowledge, and it still is. But one of the things that we understand today that drives knowledge is, in the moment, we may have to be adaptive, because even existing knowledge presumes history. It's something that we know, and it's already kind of formed, and we have knowledge about something, but the knowledge that we have may not have met the current circumstances that we are facing. And the current circumstance in the moment may have some emergent issue that the only way to recognize is through this phenomena called awareness. Awareness is a knowing in the moment of something that is emerging that maybe we know something about or we recognize as something. And one of the pieces about awareness now is how do I recognize something in the moment and use that to deliver the knowledge or adapt the knowledge to meet the moment. And so the example I could give is you know let's say a business leader goes into a meeting and he or she has a message to deliver communication is one of the key you know deliverables of any leader how to deliver this message and they have the text really identified and as they go into the meeting what they kind of get a sense of is they can feel something is perhaps not quite right. Um, They notice that people have a look on their faces. No one's really looking at each other and people aren't even asking questions. It doesn't seem to be the same strong greeting that he or she typically gets. And one of the cues that are coming is something is going on. Now, if time is tight, many leaders with good cause would say, okay, this is the message I'm going to give it. But later on, they can go back and say, what was I missing? Why didn't I ask? Okay, guys, let's take a moment on. What I I feel something is happening. Could everybody make a statement of what's going on here? Like an awareness statement. And the reason I say that is, it may be later on, we realize something was going on in that meeting. And if the business leader didn't ask or raise this, kind of sense of I'm picking up some data in myself or I have a feeling I'd like to check it out. They may have missed a moment that was very authentic. It was very important and perhaps creates more safety for the team to ask that question. So awareness IQ is being able to uh, recognize the kind of awareness cues that you're getting either in yourself or something that you scan for in the environment and acting on it. And when we don't act on a cue that we have a sense of later on, we will feel regret. Like, why didn't I ask or why didn't I offer? And, you know, there's a saying that it's the things that we don't do that we felt strongly about that we most regret later, more often than what we did do that we're sorry for.
0: Now, is there a way for me to identify my level of awareness IQ?
2: Yes, actually. Well, I joint ventured with Barbara Singer of Executive Core. And we created an inventory called the Awareness 2020, which I'm so proud to say was uh, created off of the uh, dimensions that I articulated in my book, Eddie. You know, I'm almost embarrassed to say I'm talking about my book before you asked. <laughs> but the book that I wrote, Gestalt Coaching Primer, one of the things that the reason why I wrote it was most authors who had written about Gestalt thinking, and they were always brilliant, they always wrote in a very intense style. And one of the things that I wanted to do with Gestalt Coaching Primer was to make it very easy to read because the, the material Gestalt thinking is actually, so many dimensions are happening at once, people can get confused. And so I wrote this chapter on uh, something called Presence and Use of Self, and that is, who am I and how do I use myself in the moment? And how I use myself is kind of a response to your question. How I use myself has to do with my own sense of do I know what my gifts are? Do I know what my limitations are? Can I recognize awareness across what I say seven dimensions? The first dimension is the dimension of values and recognition of what's important for me and for others. The second dimension of awareness is the dimension of creativity. You know, we see things that are novel. Can we recognize what's exciting and novel, or do we just close down? That's an awareness dimension. The third dimension is the dimension of emotional intelligence, which we've been hearing about, but we keep hearing about it because it's so important to recognize. A lot of people, when it's too emotional, they go, oh, too much is, is a phrase I often hear. But I say to people, can you Can you handle that? Are you able to hold the space for emotion? The fourth dimension of awareness is the capacity for caring. Do you recognize when you need to care for yourself or other people need maybe more support and care? You know, a huge issue that we're hearing about in organizations today is the need for compassion. Uh, compassion around the things that we can't change, but a stance of compassion is so supportive to people. And so many people actually go, no, I'm going to save that for my family. We say that really great leaders have uh, emotional awareness around the need for compassion. The fifth dimension is the capacity for communication, recognizing the moment where something needs to be said or acknowledged. Communication is a critical awareness competency. The sixth competency is the issue of intuition. Can we recognize just a, a flash of intuition, which is data that you have arrived at without hard work? And it's interesting. There's new recognition of the need for intuition. You know why, Eddie? Intuition Tell me. Yeah, intuition is this sense of something that we need in an, a high age of uncertainty so intuition was not something people really wanted to hear about in the 30s the 40s and the 50s and lately we're hearing a lot about the your intuitive sense because there's so much uncertainty in the world and there's actually intuition training that people can take which is important because if people are trying to say i have an intuition but really is an agenda that's an opportunity for dishonesty How's that for interesting? I know that's a huge sentence right there. No, that's
0: a lot. That's very interesting. So because some people might argue or may wonder, is, is the gift of intuition unique to one gender over another? You said there's training, but has your research shown that one group has stronger intuition than another?
2: I can't answer that one, but I can tell you something else. I can tell you that it seems to be something with birth orders. <laughs> so my colleague, with Napristak, wrote a lovely book called Your Sixth Sense. Mm-hmm. And um, it turns out the middle or youngest child can be more intuitive than the oldest child. Because the oldest child typically has to follow the rules. And when you have to follow the rules, you don't listen to your inner voice as much.
0: Sorry, that explains why my sister is so much more intuitive and smarter than me. I get it now. Okay.
2: I but by the way, I, I'm not sure if she's smarter, but right now I am sure that you see her as more intuitive.
0: <laughs> no yeah. question about it. <laughs>
2: isn't, isn't it interesting that that's behind your question, men, female, because your sister you already knew is more intuitive. Thank you. <laughs>
0: No, well, that wasn't behind the question, but I know that at times when you were talking about certain skills like this, and we're talking about emotional intelligence, that there's been different research showing that one gender might exceed another, but also that's like the number one question that we get in our coaching process Um, when I'm talking about emotional intelligence or the ability for empathy and some of the different components of emotional intelligence. People always ask, well as a man, can I still do well in this area? Or sometimes uh, is this only something that I can do if I'm a female. So I asked that from that perspective of what genuine questions I've received as a coach.
2: Well, first of all, I so appreciate that you're asking. And I do think it's already, I know something about you and your sister, but I would say something to add to that is, I do think that the challenge for men to use themselves in this way I would just say, in though I'm not a man, my dissertation was actually on male generativity. So I, I must have been very interested in male leadership because at the time when I was coming up and doing my research, there were more men leaders and male leaders in the world. And I was just really fascinated. And I do think that the, the shoulds that men receive about being, you know, allowing yourself to be vulnerable, which is this new wow in the world, you know, Brene Brown who talks about vulnerability is courage. Well, for many men, it also feels uh, uncomfortable, like there was no support for it. And yet that's what the new call for that is. Because why? We know that it communicates authenticity to people. It sends a message that says, I am like you. I also suffer if my child is not well, if there's illness in my family. And yet for men, that's probably a challenge. For women, there is a different challenge about how to maybe package our emotional cues without this kind of stereotype that puts out, oh, well, it's female thinking. In fact, when someone says, this could be me, I'm a female, I always say, stop. How do you frame it as an opportunity? But once we start you know, focusing on the gender, what happens is we get sometimes exclusionary. How do we become expansive and say, yes, I know this is maybe I'm speaking as a female and what do all the men think? Or how do the men access? You know, one of the things we know from the great Carl Jung is he said that as people get older at midlife, that men tend to kind of bring up more of their feminine energies or they allow themselves to bring forward their softer side. And interestingly enough, as women come into midlife, they go the other side and pull up their more male forces. And it's interesting as women, you know, come more into the work world the male forces really help them manage and negotiate the world. So, I, I would just say there's for the men and the women, we learn so much from each other's genders. Rather than exclude, we include.
0: Yes, very much so. Mm. And to the extent that we can do that, we become a better leader and certainly a better society. There's something else that I learned a lot about in your program, your workshop. Uh, you talked a lot about presence. And you talk about that a lot in your book as well. Can you tell us how presence helps leaders?
2: You know, one of the things about it is everybody has a presence. You, me, anyone listening, we all have presence. The question is, how embodied in our presence are we? So, so often we may, you know, as we review the day and we think about how we were somewhere, we think, what was going on with me that I was so distracted that I wasn't there? And so one of the aspects about presence is, how am I here, embodied in all of my strengths and responsible for my limitations, but available to this moment? And one of the things that we know when people are really present, they are more available to use their resources in the moment to support, and we like to say what is wanted, needed, missing. And so this is the real reason, Eddie, that mindfulness now as a phenomena is really growing in the world, and particularly in the business world. Some five years ago, there was a World Economic Forum in Davos, you know, globally, business leaders come there. And there was a workshop on um, meditation and mindfulness. It was kind of well attended, but the next year, nobody could get into that room. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because leaders now understand that actually someone by the name of Anthony Grant says, it's not efficiency that we're really after. It's the management of attention. Yes. Um, and leaders, the job of a leader is to help people focus on something. And so it's the management of attention is a management of focus and presence is the embodiment of focus. And how can we be in the moment in a way that we are present? When we are present, people will feel more engaged with us. When we are distracted and not present, people feel like, hey, you're not there. Why should I be here? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, presence is this ability to be here and now and more available to be engaged with you. And here's the other thing is, There's this phenomenon called mirror neurons. I won't get into the whole neuroscience of it, but basically it means that people are always picking up the cues in themselves about
0: you. Mm
2: -hmm. If you're present, they will be more present with you. And right there, that is a business case for presence.
0: There you go. I love it. And it shows true leadership when a person is able to do that and incorporate that into their leadership style. So you talk about so many wonderful things in your book. So that definition that we opened up with, awareness, IQ, presence, all of those things are applicable to anyone in a leadership role. And this certainly for those who are leaders trying to help other leaders. But specifically, if you are an individual listening to this episode and you are a coach or you are thinking of becoming a coach, specifically certified through the International Coach Federation, you want to have a copy of this book because – I believe that there are several tools in here from coaching agreements to coaching competencies to markers that you need to look for if you're trying to pass your certification. Dorothy has packed it all in here. This is just a phenomenal resource. And so uh, I enjoyed it. And I think that anyone listening will enjoy it as well. Thank you. So how would you summarize our conversation today, Dorothy?
2: Well, first of all, I think you're a great speaker, let me just say.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I would
2: would say that for the record and very inviting. But, you know, (laughs) I would add in terms of where and and what relevance does awareness and awareness IQ and being more mindful and present mean for the leader and, and for the executives who coach the leader. Because choice happens in the moment. And this is where... Um, our challenge today is to know how to use the moment. You know, they say that history is past and future is not arrived, but the moment we have is where people feel more awake and have choice. Uh, the great Maya Angelou poet said, I may not remember what you said, but I will remember what you made me feel. It is our capacity to use the moment that allows us to support people's feeling and remembering. Were we engaged in the moment or were we distracted? And and I say that because all of us can really learn to be mindful and stronger in being able to use the moments. And the moments are what our lives are created out of. So I would just say there's a, a good case to be made for that. And the takeaway, if you may allow me for today, Eddie, may I offer that?
0: Sure, please. I think
2: the takeaway is... You know, all of us today, you know, many years ago, Carl Jung said that everybody was going to become more psychological. I would say that everybody needs to understand themselves and each other uh, more urgently because the world is so intensely demanding. But I think that there is a case for awareness um, because awareness is what drives choice. And when we know that we have awareness, we know we have choice. And so my mantra is awareness without action, can lead to regret. And I would say for anyone listening is what are the awareness moments that you would like to commit to taking action on that lead to more satisfaction?
0: Awareness without action leads to regret. Well, thank you for sharing that. It's been such a pleasure talking to you today. Where can my listeners learn more about you?
2: They could know more about me at gestaltcoachingworks.com. We are redoing our website, but that would be a lovely place to get in contact with me or at com. And I thank you for the invitation.
0: Well, thank you. We will put that in the show notes so that folks can reach out to you, connect with you and follow you and all of the great things you're accomplishing across the globe with the different communities that you are helping develop their credentials and spreading the power of coaching around the globe. Thank you for being on the Keep Leading Podcast.
2: And Eddie, thank you for the invitation and to all of your listeners. I thank them for their attention and their awareness.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening. That concludes this episode, everyone. I'm Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator, reminding you that leadership is not about our title or our position. Leadership is an activity. Leadership is action. It's not the case of once a leader, always a leader. It's not a garment we put on and take off. We must be a leader at our core and allow it to emanate in all we do. So whatever you're doing, always keep leading.
1: Thank you for listening to your host, Eddie Turner, on the Keep Leading podcast. Please remember to subscribe to the Keep Leading podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. For more information about Eddie Turner's work, please visit eddieturnerllc.com.
0: Thank you for listening to C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business.